on the men's retreat. And uh, I pray, I really seriously pray, that fruit will come from that that will bless your lives, ladies, uh, for taking the opportunity to release them to go. Because uh, it was tremendous. We had a great time. I uh, got to become three years older while I was there. Uh, yeah, I see you. <laughs> Some of these guys, uh, yeah. I had three birthdays while I was there. And my birthday's in November. But everywhere we went, they were singing happy birthday. Ay, ay, ay. I had people in the restaurant coming up and, hey, happy birthday to you. And, well, okay, thanks. You know? Uh, <laughs> uh, but we had a great time. But more importantly, we pray that the word will really do something in the hearts of men. Uh, but I got, there's, there's a, a man. I got to say thank you to Chris uh, Rodriguez. I think he did a great job putting it together. Uh, we had a, a great time. Uh, I, he, he really did just do a good job. But there is one award that we have to give out for the men's conference. There really is. Uh, because this guy, I'm telling you, I got such joy watching him. And as soon as I mention his name, the other men that were there will know what I'm talking about. They had these competitions. Men like competition, don't they? I mean, come on. Any of you guys, when my wife first met me, she didn't even like me. Because I'm so competitive. I was playing ping pong. And I wanted to slam the ball down your throat. Okay? I mean, I'm just competitive. And the guys have that tendency. But we had a guy there that I'm going to tell you, I watched him, and I got such great joy. And the other guys will agree with me. He should get the award for the conference, uh, just exemplifying just the, the, the nature of the conference and how we just wanted to just be together as a family of, of brothers. Orlando. <laughs> You, my man, I'm telling you, he took that Nerf gun. <laughs> he did. He took the Nerf gun, and he's out there with the Nerf gun, and he's... <laughs> it was wonderful. I'm telling you, we had a ball. Uh, <laughs> so he gets the award. Thank you, my brother. All right, let's turn this morning to Hebrews. We're going to read a couple verses in chapter 11 and then a couple verses in chapter 12. Uh, I sort of do things a little bit backwards. That's me. What can I say? You know, I'll start at the end and then go back to the beginning and work up to it again. Uh, but this text is one of those that challenges me greatly. Father, we ask you to bless your word. Lord, it's so important for us to glean what you have for us. Lord, you wrote every one of these words, not a mistake, not a, not a, a, a thing that is in there that is not necessary for us. Lord, to do that work deep within us, to challenge us, to encourage us. Lord, just to be able to grow in the grace and knowledge of our blessed Savior, Jesus Christ. We're so thankful. So we look unto you today to pour out your spirit. And to bless your word in Jesus' name. 
Amen. I will begin with verse 33 of chapter 11. And we will go back then and look at some of the people that are shown to us in this chapter. But in verse 33 it says, Who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens, Women received their dead raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn asunder. That one always gets me. You know, turn somebody upside down and just saw them in half. Whew. Uh, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. Man, I like that. Stop and think about what value God, creator of the universe, places upon his children. That's the value that God puts. He says the world is not worthy of them. Ooh. They wandered in deserts, in mountains, in dens, in caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. They didn't get to see Jesus. They didn't know about what Jesus had done. Oh, we know all the Old Testament texts, but man, they never got to. You and I are on this side of the cross. Versus they were on that side of the cross. They never got to see it. But you and I know what took place, what Jesus has done for us. God, having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. Wherefore, or in light of all of that, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Okay. What are we doing? Huh? Can everybody, can you hear that too? Or is it just me? <laughs> Am I repeating everything? Okay. <laughs> it, but the Lord must want that coming out, man. So we are looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Wow, what a text we have before us today. And I would like to go back to the beginning of chapter 11, and we'll, we'll just look at some of the events that are given to us in this chapter that lead up to this, that show us, because I believe with all of my heart, 
Every one of us, I don't care who you are, how old you are, we all have those events. Uh, and, and I've stopped, I've tried to stop. It's one of those things that sort of slips out once in a while. I, I hate calling the things that happened in the Bible stories. I've really gotten to that place in my life. Because sometimes when you say a story, for especially I deal with a lot of young kids. I do, uh, all of our pastors have classes that they teach. Besides, you know, I do the school ministry and missions and stuff. But with, with the young children, third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade, I get to do all of those. And, and it's such a privilege. But sometimes when you use the word story, it almost gives it like it's a fairy tale. And I don't like that. I want them to understand these are events that happened in history so that they see the reality of it. So I, I try to use the word events now. But I believe that all of us have those points in our lives, just like every one of these people that we're going to read about, came to certain points where they had decisions that they had to make. They had to choose whether they were going to follow the Lord and do what God said, or if they were going to follow their own ways and be disobedient. So the choice becomes ours. But as we read what takes place here, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. I love that verse. It was by the faith the men, not a knock against women, just at this point it's speaking of the men. <laughs> I thank God for my darling bride. She got more faith than I do. Uh, but let me tell you, it, we're looking at this, the, the elders. These were men that had to be counted faithful. They had to look at what God said and say, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to back away. No matter what the world or circumstances, sometimes we allow circumstances to dictate things in our lives. And we, we don't listen to what God has to say. And so as we look at this now, he challenges, as he tells us, through faith, we understand that the worlds or everything were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. And I love that. I, I just get so excited when I read that. I love to look at the wonder of God's creation because he designed everything. You know, he designed, as, as it tells us in Colossians chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, it tells us in those verses that by him all things are held together. They're all here because of that. I'm not a, a scientist. I'm not a, a I'm, I'm just a down-to-earth sort of, um, I read it and I believe it. It's pretty simple to me. I'm not one of those guys that, you know, uh, brainiacs, is that a term you guys would know? Brainiac? You know, these guys are just, they're smart. I'm a box of rocks. But God uses box of rocks too. He uses the smart guys, but he uses all of us. Okay? But the reality of it is, as I look at this, it's pretty simple to me. It tells me that we're here 
Because Jesus says, here you are. The forces of nature say we shouldn't exist. Electrons, neutrons, protons, all those things, you know, they force against one another. So we should just be, whoop, you know. But we're not, whoop. We're, whoop. We're here. We exist. Because he has chosen that. That's amazing to me. But he says, and, and through this now, he's talking about the act of faith. Faith is something that there has to be an action behind it. That's what James tells us. In James chapter 2, he tells us, faith without works is dead being alone. Oh, I could say I have all the faith in the world. But if the actions of my life, the things that I do, do not back it up, it means nothing. So he's telling us that the elders, those men, stood up and were counted for God. Their actions were behind it. The things that they did proved out that they walked with God. And so as we look at this today, I want to look at a couple of the events. We obviously don't have time to cover all of these or we would be here till next Sunday sitting in the same place. Okay? And we don't want to do that. And so as we look at this, I want to jump down. I'm going to look at verse 5. Okay, Please read every verse, but verse 5 tells me by faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death. It was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Wow. You can read of that event, if you will, in Genesis chapter 5. All of these are given to us in the history of the creation, in the history of man. And we see that this man, it says he pleased God. And you know, the more, uh, as I get older, I want to please God. I pray that that's all of our desire, that we would desire to please God. How do we do that? Well, it's not just with the words that we say. It's the actions we do. I fail at that sometimes. I admit it, you know. Uh, is there anybody in here yet that's perfect? Okay, I wondered. Because I only know one that's perfect, and that's Jesus. But the reality of it is, it tells us he pleased God. His actions, the things that he did, the things that he said, they lined up. Sometimes that's the problem. It, we're, we're from the old generation. Well, I, I remember those days where it was called, do as I say, not as I do. But the Bible's different than that. The Bible says that our actions should line up with the words that we speak. Okay? I recall way back when, uh, I know it's in the time of the dinosaurs, but uh, at that time, you know, my dad caught me smoking. What a nasty habit. Okay? And he caught me. I was seven years old. And he caught me as I'm smoking, and he's hollering at me, and I understand I was only seven, but still... He's hollering at me as he had a cigarette hanging out of his mouth. 
And I thought, this just doesn't cut it. But I think that we as Christians sometimes do the same thing. That's why I think it was so wonderful. My heart was so blessed in reality when we were at this men's retreat and there were a lot of fathers and sons there. I thought that was tremendous. I really, that just stirred my heart. It really did. To see so many young men that were there with their dads and they they hung out with their friends, of course. They're going to hang out with their friends. These guys were out playing basketball. It's 92 degrees they're playing basketball. Ay, 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 ay. I melted just walking. <laughs> but man, it was so good to see these young people there. Fathers taking the time to go away with their sons and to see what God will do. I thought it was great. That can't always happen, and I don't want anybody to be condemned because you didn't get to do it. But the reality of it is, man, I just thought it was tremendous to see that happen. What to God that we would see more of the opportunities? Because that's a, a real downfall in our nation today, isn't it? Many of the young people don't even know their dads. They don't know who their dad is, how sad that is. So it's, it's called letting our actions line up with our words. I think that's an important issue. And I think that's what he's talking about here when he says he pleased God. You know, you can read more of him in Jude in verses 15 and 14 and 15. Man, he became a preacher. (laughs) But because of this, it's telling us that, you know, as he preached, his actions backed it up. Now it goes on in here. It says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Wow. It's all about faith. Letting that faith be put into action in your lives. And so today we're going to look at a few of these guys because I believe it's important. Maybe, maybe it is that God is stirring your heart. Maybe you've known for quite some time God called you to do something. And you've been unwilling to take the step. Maybe today's the day that God's going to say, hey, enough. Take the step. You've been talking about it for a long time. Or maybe today's the day. And to me, this is a tremendous thing. It could be for the men. It could be for the women. Maybe today's a day that you have been looking at it as a dad where maybe you've been messing up. Maybe you haven't been the dad that you think you should be or that the Bible describes. Oh, I look back. Man, do you ever wish you could do do-overs? I do. I think back, I was a young believer. I was a young, young believer. And I knew nothing. Now I know a little bit less than nothing. But I knew nothing. And I'm telling you, I made so many mistakes with my sons, with my wife. I didn't know what it was to be a godly dad, a godly husband. Oh, I wish I could do a (laughs) do-over. I mean it. That woman's been so faithful standing with me when I've messed up, you know, uh, because... 
But God, that's the wonder of this text, is he loves to give us the opportunity to do it again in the sense of, you know, making changes in our lives. I didn't know what it was to be a husband. I admit that, man. I was the biggest failure as a husband that there could be. I came from the old school. I was raised where, you know, men didn't do certain things. And I had to learn. When my wife had to lay in bed for months with our son. Back then they didn't have what they have today. So she had to lay in bed, prop up the bed. She was allowed to go to the bathroom and back to bed. That's it. And I knew nothing. I didn't know what end of a vacuum to use. I'd never run one. We weren't allowed. My dad would have thrown me, my mother, and the vacuum out the window. It's just what the old school was like. And God had to teach me. Again, marking those instances in your life that can bring about a change. I never knew what it was to cook. I had a mother that if she got saved, she would have been the Proverbs 31 woman that the Bible declares. I mean it. Every morning I'd wake up to fresh baked bread. You guys know what good bread is. I know that. Fresh baked bread. I never had cereal growing up. It was always hot breakfast. I mean, it was just an, an amazing woman. Amazing. And so I never did anything as far as that. I mean, clean sheets on the bed all the time. I mean, it was just amazing. Every day, I had clean sheets. My wife was petrified to marry me. <laughs> I don't blame her. I was a jerk. I was a saved jerk, but I was a jerk. So God had to take me through circumstance to teach me what it was to become a godly husband. And I believe that in every one of the instances you see here, the events that happen and the events that happen in your life and in my life are those opportunities that God is using in our lives to cause us, or I should say allow us. We can resist it. Allow us to bring about change in our lives. We can do that. We can, we can go to the Lord and say, Lord, I, I want to grow from this. I want to learn something from this. And so we see now, we see this guy Noah, verse 7. You can read about that back in Genesis again in chapter 6. By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear. That, that's, uh, the fear wasn't fear like I'm trembling, God's going to smite me. No. It was, man, he had such reverence and respect for God that he prepared an ark to the saving of his house by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. So these things happened by faith. Here he is. He built this boat. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know if you've ever gone to the ark encounter or if you've seen pictures. Uh, it's in Kentucky. Uh, Answers in Genesis uh, has a place there. And usually every two years, we take our, our Bible college students, Bible school students, and we head there and serve. And it's a privilege. But I remember the first time seeing that thing. You know, it was just, you read about it in Scripture, and I know, I'm, I'm, 
I studied the cubits. I did all, you know, all of the, the figures. I, I, you know, did it all mathematically, which I'm not a mathematician, but, you know, it's easy to figure out roughly how big this boat should be. But until you see something like that, it's hard to imagine. And when we got there, we walked up to this thing, and we're standing there and looking, and it's in the distance, and I was in awe. In awe. Not of the boat. Oh, that's one thing, to see the ark. I was in awe of the man that God used to make that thing. God raised him up for a time. And it tells us to save his family. Guys, it's a time. We are living in the greatest period in the history of the world, and I mean it, as things are drawing to a close. And he's saying to us, are we willing to do what it takes to save our family? This is a challenge for me also. You know, uh, this is unimportant, but really, you know, six years ago when the doctor said you got cancer, eh, okay, it was more important to me when my wife had it. God healed her. But when I got it, it was like, okay, great, you know, no big deal. Uh, really, it didn't, didn't strike me as much. He said, well, if you don't do something, because I was at the stage where, you know, if you don't do something, you're dead in two years. My first reaction, the doctor thought I was nuts. Yeah, I'm serious. But then God had to deal with me, okay? Because I'm ready. I mean, if God chose that, I'm ready. But the reality of it was God had to do a work in me. It was one of those points where he marked my life because he told me it's time for me to quit considering just me and think about my wife and not only my sons, but my sons are grown men. They have their families. My grandchildren. I get the blessed privilege of having these beautiful grandchildren. And I'm going to tell you, there's nothing. You people that are grandchildren, you know what I'm talking about. It's one thing when the kids are there. Hey, great. Hi. But when those grandkids come in and they come running to you, pop up, pop up. Oh, man, your heart just... There's just something about it. And God told me, I want you to stick around to pour into your grandchildren. Wow. It's one of those points where it marks your life. But we have to look at it and say, okay, what am I going to do with it? Actions are important. So we go on. And I need to move along here because, man, wow. That clock is, did you speed that clock up back here? Okay. Uh, no, I'll move along quickly here. Uh, beginning in verse 8, as it goes through several verses here, uh, you really cover a lot of chapters of Genesis. It goes from Genesis chapter 12 all the way through Genesis 24. But you see, here's a man by the name of Abraham. And you guys know all the, the events that happened. This guy, he had... Event after event after event happened in his life, didn't he? But each one of them caused him to grow in faith, to be able to take the next step, to be able to do the next thing. And maybe that's what God's been doing in you. Maybe he's challenging you in a particular direction in your life that he's telling you it's time for you to take a step. 
And that's what happened with Abraham, each one of these steps along the way. We see where God called him and said, Abraham, I want you to go sojourn in a foreign land. He didn't tell him where he's going. He just said, this is where I want you to go. He didn't tell him, this is the town you're going to. This is the people you're going to meet. Oh, everything's going to be set for you. No, he said, I want you to go. And when you get, I'll tell you when, step by step. But it's amazing to me as this man stepped out. You know, so many times God calls us to do things uh, where we're leaving our family, <laughs> leaving friends behind. Because God has something else in store for us. That's a hard thing. You guys can relate to that. And I know it because there's a lot of uh, the family-oriented things in this church. I get that. I come from an Italian background, which was also very family-oriented back at that time. Things in this country have changed a lot. But here I still see that. Very much family. You know, back when I was growing up, your grandparents lived right across the street. You know, if you got in trouble at school, you had to come home and deal with your dad first. And then he'd look at you and say, Grandpa's waiting for you. And that was terror. I mean, you knew when you had to go before Grandpa. It's like, I failed. That's the part to get. I failed. And you had to go stand before Grandpa. Oh, man. That was hard. That was hard. But those times are gone pretty much in our country. Not here. I like it. I watch the kids here. They know their grandparents. I'm blessed that I have my grandchildren around me. But many grandchildren, that these kids don't even know their grandparents. Or they see them once a year. So they don't have that opportunity. But Abraham's told to go, and he did it. Then, you know, we know all the events. I'm not going to go through all of them there. But there are certain things that marked Abraham, and we know that. But one of the greatest, probably the biggest event that happened in Abraham's life was his son. His son is born. Waited years for a son. He waited years. Man, this guy, it tells us he was beyond the time of having kids. His wife was beyond the time of having kids. And God chose that time to say, okay, now your son's born. Huh? <laughs> By the way, there's a reason you have kids when you're young. My darling, man, I, she's a trooper. Sometimes she watches the grandchildren. And I'm with them a little while. And they tire me out. And she has them sometimes for the whole day, sometimes for a couple days. And man, I just can't get over how she just is able to do it. <laughs> because you need to have kids when you're young. <laughs> That's why you have some energy. But here he is. Abraham has this son. He's waited for. His son is growing. God made a promise that through this son, the lineage was going to come. The nations. Man, that's an incredible promise that God gave. And so what does he do? 
God says, okay, Abraham, are you willing to sacrifice your son on the altar before me? What? God, I don't think I heard you right. That has to be a mistake. Because I could tell you, any of you dads, I'm going to tell you, you, you have daughters, and man, I'm telling you, it's a, an amazing thing. We had one daughter. Uh, she's with the Lord. And I'm telling you, it's... But when you have a son, there's just something about it for us guys. It's like when my son was born, I could tell you, the first son, and it didn't matter the second son, I was still that, that way. But it was almost like, do you ever watch Lion King? <laughs> you know, and you take that, oh, that's my boy. I mean, we had a four-generation picture, sent it back to Italy so that they could have it, you know, and show them the four generations together. It's like, oh, man, one of them, oh, whew. And then God says, I want you to sacrifice I'm sitting there, I'm telling you today, I don't know if I could do that. God, I would hope that he would give me the faith, but I don't know as I could do it. He believed the promise. God says, hey, through him, the nations of the world are going to be born. He's going to be the lineage, the man. And God says, sacrifice him. And he's obedient, takes him up to the altar and is ready to kill him. And God says, God will provide for himself a sacrifice. It doesn't say that, does it? Oh, because that's what New King James says. God says God will provide himself a sacrifice. Prophetic utterance concerning Jesus Christ. And Abraham, God stopped him. We know the story. We know the event that took place in his life. But man, what he believed God said, hey, he's going to bring the nations, so I trust him. Even if I kill my son, God's going to have to raise him up because he made a promise, and God keeps his promises. Wow, what faith that took. So let me move along here. Uh, there are so many here. You guys are well aware. Isaac, Jacob, you know, Joseph. Oh, man, I wish we had time to cover the life of Joseph. When you read in Genesis chapters 36, 37 rather, Genesis 37 all the way through chapter 50. <laughs> Cast into prison, all the things that happened to this guy. He did nothing wrong. Think about that. How would you respond if you did nothing wrong and you got arrested and thrown into jail? Do people, has anybody ever said anything about you that you knew was wrong? How do we react to it? Oh, we're not in prison, but our response to it sometimes is not the way it should be, is it? And so God challenges us in every one of these events. Now, I want to cover two more very quickly. I know I've only got a few minutes here. Okay? But when I look at a couple of the people in here, I want, to, I want to share this only because I believe that sometimes... Because of our past or because of things that we have done, maybe we failed. Even after we became Christian, maybe we failed. We made mistakes. We messed up. Maybe as a dad, I wasn't the kind of dad I was supposed to be. 
maybe I wasn't the kind of husband that I was supposed to be. And I see a couple people in here that are listed that just absolutely floor me. And you know, as you look at, let's look at verse 31. By faith, the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not, when she had received the spies with peace. Here we were, a woman that had a horrible reputation. And I want to tell you, don't let your reputation, don't let things that you did in the past, because I was a wretched person. I want to tell you that what God says, this is the most wonderful thing. Because God says, old things are passed away, all things become new. My old life, I was horrible. My wife was afraid to marry me, even after I got, I got saved. She, she didn't know me before I got saved. But she was afraid to marry me, and I, she hesitated. I wouldn't say afraid, hesitated. Why? She wanted to watch and see if the salvation was real. Because I got saved in the Jesus movement. Some of you maybe know about that. Maybe you've watched that movie recently. But I got saved in 1971, my senior year, end of my senior year. And I had a horrible reputation. I was a wretch. And so she wanted to watch and see, is this salvation real? Because some of those people during that time, you know, they accepted Christ. They said the words. I got news for you. To say the words is not where it's at. It's got to be faith that backs it up. The action that backs it up. Is there fruit meat for repentance? Is there a changed life? Because my Bible says that old things are passed away. All things, the old Tony's dead. And I rejoice in that. My problem, and some of you may have done this yourself, is you know they got these electric paddles that they put on you to zap you when you go down? I think I do that to myself sometimes with my old nature. I zap it and want to bring it alive. And in reality, we're called by Colossians to put it to death. Mortify the deeds of the flesh. Morta, put it to death. Let it die. And I sometimes resurrect it. And God's saying enough of that nonsense. Let it die. Be the person that I want you to be. And so no matter what you've done in the past, you could, even if it's up until this point, you could say today, I want that to change. I want to glorify God with my life. This woman's actions proved her faith. It was her actions. And then one last one I'll, I'll share, and then we'll look at our closing verses here. There's a guy in here by the name of Samson. Everybody's heard of Samson, right? Of course. When you read Judges chapters 13 through 16, you get the events of his life. And here's a kid that was, from the very beginning, his heart, his life was dedicated to the Lord. Dedicated to the Lord. The vow of a Nazarite. Ooh, man. But this is a guy that did everything and anything wrong. He really did. He was what we would term today a spoiled brat. When he told his dad, you know, he, first he's in a place he shouldn't be, and then he tells his dad and mom, because back then the marriages had to be arranged, hey, dad, mom, See that woman? 
She's not even of your people. She's not saved. Sometimes you, you parents might tell your kid, they're not saved. The Bible says don't become unequally yoked together with an unbeliever. And so they're challenging you. But he said, hey, I don't care. Get her. And they did it. That's the part that amazes me. Some of you that are from the older generation, you know that if you told your dad, I don't care what you think, dad. I want her. I guarantee I wouldn't be here today. I'd be morta. I'd be dead. You never said that in the old generation. But this kid was a spoiled brat. They went and got her. And you know all the events that happened. This guy's life was a wreck. It was a train wreck. It was a train wreck. My point in sharing that one today, as we get to our closing verses, is the reality of it is the end of the story is not written, folks. It's not. Maybe you have kids that are wayward. Maybe you have grandkids that are wayward. Maybe you yourself have not done what God has called you to do. Maybe it could be something as simple as, you know, God challenged you to get involved in some area of ministry. It's not always horrible things. Maybe he's been challenging you to put your life, to put your, 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 your actions, to do something about it. Not just be a talker, just to do it. There could be a lot of reasons there. But it could be today that God's challenging you and saying, hey, today's the day I want you to take a step of faith. I want you to put your words into action. I want you to step up. Be the man that I've called you to be. Be the woman that I've called you to be. Be the son or daughter that God's stirred and called you to be. Whatever the case may be today, God is saying that to us because when he gets to chapter 12, we see all the world was not worthy of, the, of these people. And he's saying, but there's a lot of other saints today. There's a lot of people in this room today that are the modern day witnesses. People that you know in your life. That you've looked to. Because they've been a witness for you. And God's saying, now's the time for you to step up and be that witness. In some difficult times, there are some difficult things I believe that are ahead. Oh, I pray that the Lord would take us home today. But if not, we could be facing some difficult times ahead of us as believers. I think we fail sometimes when we don't tell people, you know, oh, hey, there could be difficult times because there can be. We're not prepared. But the reality of it is, if that happens, how are we going to stand? What are we going to do? Are we going to stand up and be counted and let our faith be put into action that we could be just like the witnesses that are given throughout Scripture, that you could end up standing up and be counted like those men or women that you have watched in your life? I know people in this church. I've been coming here for a long time, long time. I know Pastor Raz and I, and uh, we, we hate to admit how long, because it means we're getting old, okay? Actually, I watched your pastor now, Pastor Zach. I get a little 
emotional when I even think about it. I watched your pastor as a young man. Young kid, a little kid. And now I watch because I was very discouraged for a while. And I mean it. I was very discouraged by the state of the church. When I say that, I'm talking overall. Because I looked at the church and I'm going, you know, us older guys are coming to the end of the road. We don't like to think about that. Why? Hey, I got great things ahead. I tell my students all the time, I got one foot in the grave, one foot on a banana peel. I'm ready to go. Slide right in there, baby. It's okay with me. But the reality of it is, until that time, I want to keep doing what God called me to do. Be faithful to the end. But I watch some of these young people, and I got to tell you, your pastor is one of those ones that just puts joy in my heart. Really does, guys. I look at some of the young guys in this church, some of the young women in this church that I've watched over the years that have grown and matured. And I got to tell you, I look at it and go, there's great hope in the church. There's, there's, it's a glorious thing. I'm with you. I'm with you because I believe it with all my heart. I was discouraged because I'm thinking us older guys are fading away. But guess what? The young guys are here. The young women are here. The godly ones that he has raised up for such a time as this. And we have the chance to be standing side by side with them in the glorious race to the end. And I know I want to be counted faithful to the very end. Till I take my last breath. Till I take my last breath. I want to be faithful in serving my wife my family, and my church. And serving my Lord, that's the most important. Serving Jesus Christ, my blessed Savior. I don't want the obstacles of this world to hinder me in any way. I apologize for going a couple minutes over, but I got to tell you, I believe that the Bible is true, and I believe that God makes these, these things that happen in our lives our steps or opportunities for us to take a stand and to walk with Christ and to go forward and to give glory with our lives. Man, to be counted faithful, not just to be people that speak about it, but people that do. I want to be a doer of the word, not a hearer only. So, Father, we thank you for this time together. I thank you for this group of people. Lord, what a blessing and a privilege. And Lord, I mean a privilege to be able to be here once again with this family. Lord, it is so glorious. And I ask you to pour out your spirit upon each and every one. Lord, continue to stir the hearts of your people. That Lord, whatever the case may be today, uh, Lord, we're all in different points, all different areas of our lives. And Lord, may we be willing to take a step wherever we are. Lord, maybe it's coming to know you. Maybe we've never surrendered our lives. May, that be to, may this be the day. But Lord, it could be we just need to be men and women of honor unto you. 
Help us, Lord. We cry out to you now. Help us to get that foot in front of us and take a step for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you, bro.